0: I want to welcome you here in the room, everybody watching online as well. So today, we're going to be talking about prayer. And as we get started here, I need you to be gut-level honest, okay? All right, don't lie. You know what happens when you lie in church, right? It's not pretty, So, so be honest. Let's say that you were going to be evaluated on a scale of 1 to 10 with regards to the effectiveness and intimacy of your prayer life. Okay, now think about that. One being, oh, not 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 so good. Ten being Jesus Junior. All right, you ready? So here we go. If you were going to be graded, how many of you would honestly say right now, you know what, Brian? I'm like a nine or a ten. Things are good. My prayer life's awesome. Can I can I see some honest hands? Anybody willing to say that? Okay, this series will be really good. At least this message. All right. How many of you would say, okay, you know what? I'm hovering around four, five, and six. Maybe somewhere in the middle. Let me see your hands. Raise them up high. Okay, good. Okay, here comes my favorite question of all. How many of you would be transparent enough to say, you know, Brian, I'm in the subterranean, like negative one, zero, maybe a one or a two. Anybody gonna be honest enough to raise your hands? Oh, many of you, good. Love that transparency. All right, so here's the deal. Back when our kids were young, I mean, we're talking like preschool, elementary age. They both had a common fear, and it was the fear of tigers. Yes, tigers. Okay, I know most kids like Jason, they're afraid of monsters in the room, monsters under the bed. Not for us. For our kids, it was tigers. And just so you know, Wendy and I, we were never missionaries living in a tropical jungle. Okay, nothing like that. The only real life tigers our boys had ever seen were in a zoo, safely behind giant bars, sleeping like 200 feet away. So why this fear of tigers? Well, I blame it on two of the most creative people that God ever placed on this planet, Walt Disney and my wife. All right. Yeah. Allow me to explain. So so my oldest son, Nick, when he was young, he was obsessed with the movie, The Jungle Book. How many of you remember that one? Who was the evil villain in that movie? Shere Khan, this mean tiger. Okay. So it makes sense that Nick was watching that movie over and over and over again, and thus his fear of tigers. Now, as for my youngest son, Nathan, it wasn't that movie. Okay, My wife, bless her nature-loving soul, uh, she decided that on my kid's wall, on Nathan's wall, she was going to paint one of the coolest nature murals you have ever seen. And it was amazing, people. She is uber-talented. She's like a walking poster child of art and creativity. But she chose a jungle as the theme, all right? And if you're going to paint a jungle on a kid's wall, you have to have a... Tiger, right. Now, in in Wendy's defense, it did occur to her that a tiger with a head this big could be a little intimidating to a kid. And so, as she's painting this tiger, she decides to paint a little smile on the tiger. Do you know what happens when you paint a big honking tiger head with a smile? It looks like that tiger is smirking at you with this sinister grin that says, You're going to taste delicious, little man. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Have you ever seen a tiger smiling? Right? Right? And those of you who are thinking Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, let me remind you, he's a Tigger. Two Gs, not a tiger. One G. (laughs) Two completely different animals. I went to seminary to catch nuances like that. All right? Yeah. So my youngest son, Nathan, every day, every night, he's staring at this tiger on his wall. And that's his fear of tiger's. So Wendy and I, we kind of had our hands full, right? Both, both these kids have this fear of tigers. And, and so how did Wendy and I help our boys through this fear of tigers? Because like most kids, it hits them at night, right? Right before they're going to bed. So we would pray together with them to the God who is bigger than any tiger. And we would tell them, you know what, sons? You can pray to the same God even when we're not there. We'd say, hey, bud, let's, let's pray together. Let's take these thoughts captive. God is not a God of fear, you know, God's never going to leave you or forsake you. And man, we would read stories over and over again. We read Daniel in the lion's den about how much bigger God is. And it helped a little bit, but oftentimes they would still call out to us. They would run into our room in the middle of the night scared. And we would often say to them, well, did you pray? And they'd look at us like, yeah, dad, it just doesn't work. Like, I mean, I've tried this prayer thing. I've asked God to take it away. I'm still scared. Yeah, I don't even know if he really cares. Is he really there? Is he listening? Like, can he hear me? You know, the reality is, for a lot of us here in this room, you're in that exact same spot. You know, truth be told, you're wondering, does this prayer thing even work? And if you're not there now, you've probably been there at some point in the past. Maybe you prayed for a marriage to be healed, and you saw nothing. Or you prayed, you prayed, you prayed, God, would you send me the right spouse? Send me the perfect person. Nothing. Or maybe it's God, take away this addiction. You know, I can't keep wrestling with the same addiction month after month and year after year. Like you've asked God to take away the fear. You've asked God to set you free. You've asked God to heal relationship. And you're wondering where, where is God? Why isn't he listening to me? Well, let me tell you today, we're going to dive into the life of Elijah. And Elijah, he understood prayer like few people who ever walked this planet. Trust me. In fact, he understood all the dynamics of prayer. He prayed boldly and he prayed confidently. And man, did he see God do some cool stuff? I mean, listen to what James had to say about Elijah. (laughs) Elijah was a man just like us. Boy, that's comforting, isn't it? He wasn't some superhero Bible man. He was just a regular guy like you, like me. And it says, he prayed... Earnestly. Okay, I want you guys to repeat that with me. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Well, that is power. Like, when's the last time you prayed it wouldn't rain? It just stopped right in the middle of it. You see, what stands out to me about Elijah's prayer life is I think a lot of us when we pray, we pray these little bitty prayers. God, be with me. God, would you help me? God, would you strengthen me? God, could you maybe give me some healing here? We pray little prayers with little faith and little confidence. But then you look at Elijah, and he prays like with a capital P-R-A-Y. He prays with boldness. He prays with the confidence that God's going to move, that God is going to work. You know, the last couple weeks, we've been talking about this evil king Ahab, and his wicked wife Jezebel, and how they were taking the whole nation of Israel down. They were not following God. And so God, through Elijah, confronts Ahab and says, Ahab, if you don't clean up your act, I'm going to tell Elijah to pray, and it's not going to rain on this land for three and a half years. Well, King Ahab didn't change, and Elijah prayed that God would take away the rain, and he did for three and a half years. And then one morning, Elijah wakes up and he senses that it's time for it to start raining again. And here's his prayer. Let's dive in. Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Now, we're actually going to come back to this little part because it is so, so cool. Okay. But here's what I want you to understand. Many of us do struggle in our prayer lives. Okay. Consistency is tough. Authenticity can be hard at times. We feel like, well, we don't see God answering prayers. We feel like, is God even answering our prayers? But if you guys will just dive into God's Word and track with me today, I think that you will walk out of here this morning with a different perspective. I think you can walk out of here today with truth that can transform your prayer life forever. God wants to work. God wants to transform your relationship with Him through this prayer right here. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to extract truth nuggets from this prayer and walk away with four different qualities of an effective prayer. Four different qualities of an effective prayer. Write these down if you've got your outline. The first one is this. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Like, I want you guys to say that with me. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are humble. Elijah, what does he do here? Well, first of all, he climbs up to the very top of Mount Carmel. Like He's got his, you know, North Face gear on, his little camelback and GPS. He goes up to the top of this mountain to get alone with God. He needed to get God's attention. And he didn't think, you know, the little prayers that we pray as we go throughout the day, that's not going to be sufficient here. I mean, they desperately needed rain. And so he set aside time. He went up to the top of this mountain. And once he gets to his desired locale, what does he do? What says Elijah bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees? Can you picture this? He gets to the top, bends down to the ground, puts his face between his knees, and just sits there before God. Like he's physically humbling himself. And it's a picture of what's going on inside of him spiritually. He knows they need rain, but he realizes, I can't do this. I cannot bring this. I don't have the power. And so he humbles himself and it's his way of saying, God, I am too small. I am too tiny. I can't do this. I'm incapable. But you are big. You are God. You are holy. Like you're the creator. You're the almighty one. You're the provider. So Elijah humbles himself before God because he knows he can't do it, but he also knows the one who can. And as I thought about Elijah here, I thought, when in my life was I so desperate, so broken, so humbled, so completely out of my league that I just fell to my knees in prayer? And my mind went back to my college years and an intense spiritual battle that was going on in my life. At the time, I got to tell you, honestly, my mind was wavering back and forth, at times doubting the very existence of God. And at other times thinking, well, God is real, but clearly he doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. And I can remember spending entire mornings on my knees, just praying and crying out to God. And as much as I thought at times that God was not real, the fact that I stayed persistent in those prayers showed that I had at least a mustard seed of faith. And folks, I wish I could tell you that God answered my prayers quickly. Like in a matter of days, weeks, or months, he didn't. It was a long, intense battle. But I knew God's the only one who can take away this pain, who can take away this confusion, who can take away this doubt. And eventually he was faithful. I mean, God revealed himself, quite frankly, in some miraculous ways, but not before a long, long period of humility and prayer. You know, the Bible says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Our God, He's the one who will lift you up. But you've got to understand that humility precedes God's miraculous working in our lives. So you want to get God's attention? You want God to move and listen to the prayers you're praying? Humble yourself. Start there. Humble yourself before God. Second, effective prayers are specific prayers. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I think I'm often a non-specific praying, wishy-washy kind of dude. Like when I pray, it's usually, you know, God be with us. God give me strength. God help me. These broader prayers. But I look at Elijah, and Elijah was specific, very, very specific, right? He said, God, we need rain. It's been three and a half years. <laughs> give us some water, some H2O, some liquid from heaven. Bring it. A very specific. And he told his servant, okay, so now I prayed, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked, there's nothing there, he said. And so the servant, he goes up and looks and there's nothing. But Elijah, catch this, Elijah was still very specific in what he was asking God for. Very specific. So right now, my older son, Nick, he's 31 years old and he's in the full-size family stage of life. So a while back, he was on the hunt for a minivan. Some of you may remember those days, right? You got to upgrade your vehicle. Got to get a minivan. And so he texted me. He said, hey, Dad, be on the lookout for any good deals on minivans. And then at the end of the text, he added, oh, and by the way, prayer always gets the job done. And he said, remember the Volvo, Dad? Remember the Volvo? Let me explain what he meant by that. Back... When Nick was in elementary school, our Isuzu Troopers engine broke down and it was going to cost, as you guys are familiar with, right? When you bring it in, it's going to cost more to repair this engine than the car is worth itself. And so we didn't have the money for the repairs, didn't have the money for another car. And Wendy and I were kind of talking about this before dinner and Nick overhears us and he says, mom, dad, like, what are we going to do? Like, how am I going to get to school and soccer practice and so forth? And we were just completely honest with him. We said, you know what, son, we have no idea, but God has always taken care of us. And so we turned to Nick. We said, you know, why don't you pray for dinner and ask God to provide? And and he did. And in that simple elementary age prayer, he just said, you know what, God, we need a car really, really soon. Amen. (laughs) We start scarfing down our pizza. Like five minutes into the meal, the phone rings. It's a gentleman in our church who says, Hey, I know somebody who's always wanted an Isuzu Trooper and he'd like to rebuild the engine. I tell you what, I'll trade you our nice, fully functioning Volvo for your broken down Isuzu Trooper. And I'm like, Deal, right? (laughs) And people, I wish all of you could have seen the look in my son's eyes when I hung up that phone and explained to him what had just happened. I mean, Nick prayed very specifically. And five minutes later, God answered very specifically. And that teachable moment about the power of prayer is burned indelibly into his mind. I mean, he just brought it up a few months ago, like 20 some odd years later. Folks, that's the power of specific prayers. God moves, God works in response to specific prayers. James 4.2 says this, you do not have, why? Because you do not ask God. You're like, well, pff, how simplistic is that? And we drive right past that verse, don't we? Because we get so busy. We get so busy, we forget about it. You do not have because you do not ask God. So we start by humbling ourselves before Him. And then we can come to Him boldly with a specific prayer, asking Him to move, asking Him to work on our behalf. And then third, Effective prayers, people, are persistent prayers. Persistent prayers. Verse 43. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. So so here's the deal. The first six times the servant goes out, he comes back. He's like, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Try to imagine this. Elijah is up on this mountain, and he's humbled himself, and he's prayed specifically. And so Elijah's going, okay, servant, I prayed. Now I want you to go look. And the servant's going, hey, man, (laughs) there's no rain. Elijah says, okay, okay. Hang on a second. He goes back. God, man, we really need this rain. Would you bring it back? And then he goes back to his servant, says, hey, go check it out. Servant goes out there, comes back, nothing. And Elijah, he does this over and over and over and over again. But what you don't hear Elijah say is what we often say. Ah, this prayer thing, it doesn't work. Or God, he must not really, really care here. Now, Elijah doesn't do that. He stays laser focused on his specific prayer. (laughs) Just again and again and again. What you got to understand is Elijah is not allowing his outward circumstances of what's going on to affect his inward assurance. He is not allowing the outward circumstances to psych him out. When it looks like God is not there, like God is not moving or the timing's not right, he doesn't just get frustrated and throw in the towel. He doesn't say, I'm done. This prayer thing doesn't work. Instead, he prays and he prays and he prays. He is persistent. And James 5.16 says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yeah, I just went all King James version on you there, okay? Because it's so good. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. People, when we are down in the dumps and we feel like God's not moving, we need to write this verse on our hearts. Because it's when we are fervent, when we are persistent in our prayers that God moves so here's my question for you. What have you quit praying for that you need to start praying for again? Think about that. What is it that you have quit praying for that you need to start praying for again? Now, maybe it's your marriage. When you prayed, you prayed, you prayed. It's been so long. You're like, I'm done. And maybe it's a job and you've just gotten tired. You've gotten weary. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe there's someone in your family who needs Jesus and it's been years and years and years, and you've just given up. I'm telling you, in my spiritual battle, I literally prayed humbly, specifically, and persistently for years before I finally saw a breakthrough in my spiritual confidence. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So number one, say it with me, effective prayers are humble prayers. Number two, effective prayers are Specific prayers. Number three, effective prayers are persistent prayers. Number four is this. Effective prayers are expectant prayers. This one's going to blow your mind, okay? Verse 44. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So the servant comes back the first six times and, and there's nothing. And the seventh time, he says, well, Elijah, there is this tiny little cloud out there about the size of a man's hand. It's just starting to rise from the sea. And look at Elijah's response here. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now, don't miss this, okay? Here's what the servant did not say. Elijah, there is this massive, ominous thunderstorm that's brewing, okay? It's going to take us out. No, he said that there's a tiny cloud, maybe the size of a a man's hand or something. And what does Elijah do? He goes, oh man, it's coming, baby. Like release the emergency management plan. Get the ambulances and and the fire trucks and the life vests and the boat and tell Ab he better get down to that mountain because there's a cloud out there about the size of a man's hand. I mean, this this cracks me up. It's ridiculous. If it were me, I would have been going, okay, it's a tiny cloud. I'm going to I don't know, turn on Scott Fisher and see if there's like a 50% chance of rain or something. Maybe a hook echo on the radar, you know, something more than that. And then if that gets confirmed, I'd probably be going, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to sit here for a second. And when I finally feel the raindrops hit my head, then I'm going to know. But Elijah, man, he is expectant. Like he pushes all the chips to the center of the table on the belief that God is going to move. God is going to do the miraculous. And let me tell you, people, that same God from thousands of years ago, he still does the miraculous today if you pray expectantly. If you want a really, really amazing, cool, miraculous story, something that just happened recently here in our church, you know what I'd encourage you to do? Go talk to Brenda O'Banion, the wife of our pastor, Mike O'Banion, about how God can blow your mind when we pray humbly, specifically, persistently, and expectantly. Her story is what immediately came to my mind when I read this passage. And I'll just give you the Cliff Notes version. You need to go and ask her about it because it's pretty amazing. But just a few months ago, Brenda was in ICU with oxygen levels so dangerously low, they didn't think she was going to make it. They had to perform an emergency tracheotomy. They had to put a feeding tube in. And they told her, okay, you're never going to talk normally, if at all, ever again and she's battling pneumonia. Her lungs aren't functioning properly. I mean, the prognosis was very, very dire. But you know what? When when I talked with Brenda, it was so amazing because she was confident that this was simply another trial she would endure and that there was hope for the future. And so we enlisted hundreds of people who literally started praying humbly, specifically, persistently, and expectantly. And first, they got word all of a sudden that, guess what? The the feeding tube can come out. Praise God. Well, next, she went from, well, we can get this special device that can help you to speak to having the tracheotomy completely removed. It healed up, and she could talk fully all by herself. And now, people, she literally is breathing better than she has in years and years and years. And Mike, you talk to me and say, no, this is a miracle of God. I have no idea why or how God did that. But I mean, we're talking answer to prayer after answer to prayer after answer to prayer. Make no mistake about it. God's hand was over all this. I mean, even the doctors are like, we can't explain it. We're blown away. And this verse in Mark comes to my mind. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you ask for, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. We don't know what God may do or choose to do or not do, But our role is to believe. 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 Pray expectantly like God is going to move. God is going to work. If you know Mike and Brenda, they're a couple of great faith with huge hearts for the Lord. Well, they prayed expectantly and God honored that in an amazing way. So, What happened when Elijah called out all the troops, evacuated everybody, you know, everybody's gone, they're out of town? Well, check this out. We'll end with this. It says, meanwhile, the sky grew black. The sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. And here it is. This is unbelievable to me. A heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And then we'll end with this the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. Let me tell you today, people, God works supernaturally on behalf of his people. God answers prayer. He really does. So as we close in prayer here, I want to leave you with this question. What is your prayer need? What is it for you? Think about it. And let's dive in. Let's put this into practice. Pray with me. Lord, I don't know what it is for my brothers and sisters here. Maybe it's something that they prayed for in the past and they just have given up and they need to re-engage and take these lessons from Elijah's life. And maybe we don't have because we haven't asked. And Lord, would you teach us to pray as Elijah prayed? First of all, humbly. Oftentimes, the process of prayer is you, God, getting us to the place where we realize, I can't do this, it's impossible, it's beyond me. And that's when you show up in power, when we humble ourselves before you. God, help us to have the courage to pray specifically. And when we do, when we pray, it it would rain and it doesn't rain, and then we pray it would rain, it doesn't rain, and we would just stay at it, stay at it stay at it. And we would pray by faith, knowing that ultimately you're going to do what is in your will, what is best. You're going to do what will honor you and glorify your name. And and also, you're going to work on our behalf. But you know what's best. But in our minds and our hearts, we are to pray in faith. We're to believe that we have it. We're to expect you to do the unexpected, because that's the kind of God you are. Lord, I thank you so much for this man, Elijah, and how he modeled for us exactly how we should approach prayer. And I pray that we would do that, and we would see you do mighty things in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you leave here today, let me just close with this. Don't let it be said of you that you have not because you've asked not. You guys have a great week.